You obviously know Kung Fu. I am Raymond Barry, Raymond J. Barry. This is the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. My guest tonight is writer, producer, painter, sculptor, uh, and also an award-winning actor of stage and screen who you've seen in projects like Justified, Born on the Fourth of July, and most recently as the slightly greasy Sean O'Greedy uh, in the kung fu mobster comedy Made in Chinatown, Mr. Raymond J. Barry. Mr. Barry, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. Hello. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on your program. It's great to have you. Uh, you've done some amazing work, and I, I'm looking forward to getting into all of that with you. But before we get into all of that, how have you been coping with what has been a, a surreal uh, year plus now? I've been going to my studio. I've written a novel, and I paint I've been painting since I was 23 years old. I'm completely isolated, so it's safe. It's a bit strange because I don't have interaction with people, and it weighs on my kids. I have four kids, and they're taking school online. So when I go home, I have to deal with various phases of moods that uh, my family has and you know i i'm pretty good with it i i'm not great i usually go to the ymca but i can't do that now because it's closed and when i'm at the y i talk with a lot of people and work out and it's very healthy and all all of that, but I, I don't have any social interaction at this time, and it's strange. Yeah, it's definitely strange. It's, yeah, it's very, very strange. Also, the business of uh, film and television are shut down, and all of the theaters are shut down in Los Angeles. So, uh, from an acting standpoint, um, I was working continuously for 40 years, and suddenly a big blank spot for a year. Yeah. And that doesn't feel uh, comfortable. You know, I, I have a lot of fun when I act roles, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it, I do it with people and, you know, it's, uh, you don't realize how important people are to you until uh, a pandemic hits and you can't see anyone. Right. Yeah, it, it it definitely makes you rethink uh, things and and kind of value the people that you do have in your uh, your daily circle. Absolutely, uh, it's really uh, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, really, you know. At any rate, I haven't gotten sick, and I'm very grateful for that because I'm 82 years old, strong as a bull, and I want I have a lot of stuff I want to do. Good. Good. And uh, you found a way to be productive uh, despite the pandemic. Yeah. I've published a memoir. I've published an anthology of plays, all of which have been produced, which I wrote, plays which I wrote. 
And now I've written a novel, and I'm surrounded by two dozen paintings, which I've painted in the past couple of years, you know. So I'm busy. <laughs> good, good, good. That's awesome. Now, uh, congratulations, by the way, on the release of Made in Chinatown. Uh, now it's available uh, on many streaming platforms. Um, how has the film been received so far from, from your perspective? Well, in all honesty, I haven't seen anyone... <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, it's not like people are running up to me and saying to me, oh, my God, you're in that movie. That's not the case. I get in my car and drive home, and I haven't seen anybody all day. Uh, I know the movie is entertaining. I know that for a fact. Uh, and the martial artist people are just amazing to watch. <laughs> and uh, just visually, watching bodies, you know, move through space and the grace and the beauty of it, combined with the plot and the humor, and, you know, it's, um, uh, uh, it's certainly an entertaining movie. Good, good. Well, how did you get involved with the film in the first place then? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I remember these things. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing. I think I probably was called by my agent and I probably uh, went in for a reading or something and charmed the shit out of the guy. <laughs> and he said, I want this guy around. He can't act for shit but he sure as hell is entertaining <laughs> <laughs> well uh, clearly the the can act for shit part is a lie because uh you've been in over 75 stage productions uh you've got a, a an extensive filmography um as an actor what draws you to a, a character like O'Greedy, or, or in general what kind of roles catch your eye this is a very good question i love it i wrote a play once I've written many plays, actually, but I, my, I, I, my most successful play that won awards and was uh, ran in New York and ran in Los Angeles and all over the place, Chicago, Colorado Springs. We did it in Europe and London. It's a play called Once in Doubt, and I played an artist. And I love playing an artist because I am an artist. And because of the fact that when I was uh, uh, in college, I played football, so I have muscles, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, I am typecast very often as a heavy or some kind of brute for force or some bad guy, some evil mother who uh, has no morals whatsoever. So I love playing an artist. Also, uh, in Born on the Fourth of July, there is one scene in which I actually was absolutely, unequivocally vulnerable, fragile, because my son, Tom Cruise, came home paralyzed from Vietnam. And I don't know if you remember that scene, it doesn't matter. I cried over and over and over for three hours while Oliver Stone shot the scene. And afterwards, he gave me an enormous hug. And he said, that was magnificent. Now, this scene is not long. I don't say a lot. 
But the vulnerability of the character, I am so uh, enamored of and so proud of that I actually reached that uh, condition, that fragile condition. And I'm not called upon to do that kind of work often. I'm, I'm usually called upon to be the boss or be the head of the gang or be an evil mother or whatever. And uh, Oliver saw the potential uh, in my work. I don't know how. I Well, I do know he saw me. I did a movie called Year of the Dragon that was directed by Michael Cimino. And Oliver wrote the film. And I did a pretty good job in the film. And I think from my work in Year of the Dragon, he cast me in Born on the Fourth of July. So that's how that happened. Uh, I didn't do some kind of a brilliant uh, uh, audition or anything like that. He liked my work in Year of the Dragon. So he cast me as Tom Cruise's father and born on the 4th of July. And it was one of the most uh, significant roles, I've, personally speaking, that I've ever played. Specifically for that one scene where he comes home paralyzed. You know, how often does a man cry? <laughs> but, you know, the fact that I actually pulled that off is amazing to me, you know. Well, how about how about uh, then as uh, on the other side of things, as the writer and, and director and producer of various projects, when you're crafting characters then for your uh, for your projects, what kind of things do you put into them to uh, to tell your story? I do one thing with them, which is unusual. I rehearsed the play for two years, for two hours, Monday through Friday, 10 hours a week. And when it feels like it's ready to put up in front of people, they, the material is so well learned by uh, the the actor and so familiar and we're so used to each other and we're so inured to the process that by the time we do it in front of people, the actors are great. And what I'm talking about is longevity of process. It's not like rehearsing for four weeks and then up where I have to suggest things to the actors to make them more fragile or more vulnerable. Over a two-year period, a year and a half period, they know what they're doing. And it's uh, an anomaly. It's not something that people do usually. I like to work. I like to get up in the morning, go to the gym, and then go to my rehearsal for two hours and come to my studio and paint. And that's my life. And then once in a while, I get a TV job and make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good gig. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. You know, it beats selling my body. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking about uh, the gym and, and uh, that physical part of things, you, you did mention that you played football at Brown, so you're no stranger to athletic physicality. Uh, and you mentioned the martial arts in the film Made in Chinatown. What did you think of all of that in-your-face physicality? Uh, because you were surrounded by them with, with that film. 
Yeah, and I understand it viscerally. I'm not a martial artist. I could never do what they do, but I had absolute respect for their discipline and the learning process they must have gone through to be so adept at uh, kicking and the whole nine yards. And I'll tell you something, I'd, I'd hate to uh, offend one of those fellows. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, my God, when you're that well equipped and that trained, uh, you don't uh, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Yeah. You know, of course, we all we all walk around with a mild trepidation. So I'm, when I say that, I'm saying that glibly. Uh, those guys are as as afraid of life as anyone. They just have. A, a discipline that's manifest that that is quite incredible, you know. Uh, and who knows? They may live to a hundred because <laughs> of it. Now, those aren't the first martial arts that you worked with. You worked with some other great martial artists, um, Jean Claude Van Damme in Sudden Death and Brandon Lee in Rapid Fire. You know, I forgot that. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> I'm never uh, hired as a mar. I don't know martial arts. Uh, but I, I remember those two movies vaguely. I, you know, I've done a lot of movies over the years, over the decades. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember vividly some of them. Others I do. You know, like I'll never forget the uh, interview with the assassin or the Tim Robbins movie. I forget what it's called with Sean Penn. But I'll never forget my experience working with Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn uh, and Tim Robbins, who is a wonderful director. Well, what, what about um, working with those uh, particular actors that you mentioned, uh, Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon? What was it uh, about those actors uh, that made them uh, a memorable experience for you to work with them? Well, here's the deal. When you are working with high caliber actors like Susan Sarandon or Sean Penn for that matter, you know the bar is high and you go to work expecting to meet their challenge. You're not uh, working with people who don't know what they're doing. And therefore you as an actor, are under a certain degree of pressure to come to the fore and meet the challenge. I felt that when I worked with Oliver Stone because I respected Oliver Stone so much from Platoon. And also, the man, when you work with him, he's so intense. Uh, you've got to pick up on it. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't be grab-assing and making jokes and <laughs> messing around. You know, it's not that kind of environment. You're there to really come through. And I felt that way when I was working with Tim Robbins' movie. What's the name of that movie? Well, I forget what that was. Dead Man Walking. I felt the same kind of inner pressure. Now, these people are very nice. I mean, Oliver Stone's a nice guy. Tim Robbins, a great guy. Susan Sarandon was wonderful. It's not a question of personality. It's a question of talent. These people are so talented 
and you don't feel like you have the same degree of talent. So what happens is that you get better. You become as talented because you demand it of yourself. And that's what's so great working with great people. It makes you better because you don't want to look like a damn fool. <laughs> <laughs> no, very you know true. what I'm saying? Of course, of course. I had uh, Vincent Pastore and Tony Darrow on the show as well, and they talked about having such a great time on the set of this film. Uh, what did you feel like you brought to that cast? I did the best I could. You know, it's not like I went in there and I was a flake. I think they were happy with my work. Don't get me wrong. I, I didn't try to flake off. I came as well prepared as I would if I was working for Oliver Stone, you know. Uh, uh, it, it was serious stuff. I mean, acting is a serious thing, man. You're so ex exposed and uh, you're so absolutely out in the open. You can't hide. You bet. You better come in knowing the words and be ready. Uh, it's like going to war. You, you know, people are not playing around. There's a lot of money involved. Time is money. They don't want some actor forgetting his lines every time they go through the scene. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot my line. Can we start again? They don't want that. You got to be a pro. And there's such pressure. There's just an enormous amount of pressure. And it doesn't matter if it's a great bunch of people or a great script or a great film or a mediocre film. The attitude is the same. How different is the process for working on a film that is an indie film like Made in Chinatown versus Oliver Stone's the, the 4th of July. What kind of processes did you have to uh, juggle back and forth? Absolutely the same. You have to do your best work. That means drill lines so they're absolutely sure. You don't want to go up on your lines, number one. Number two, the inner life. Do sense memory before you show up on the set. Prepare yourself. Personalize every image in the script that you have to say so you know what you're talking about. Uh, replace names with real people in your real life. Do a full preparation, regardless of whether it's a studio film or an independent film. Why? Because you're proud. You're proud of your work. It doesn't matter. Some of these Indian, uh, independent films are going to end up being very visible to the public. And it doesn't, that's not even an issue. The issue is your work. Why did I decide to be, break my balls to become an actor so I could goof off? Bullshit. I, I did it because I cared about it. And it doesn't matter to me if I'm working for some um, multi-million dollar project or some project that they got a hundred grand to spend and that's it. I'll, I'll work hard on a anything I do. I sound so formidable. <laughs> well, you're a consummate professional. <laughs> and professionalism comes through no matter the size of the production, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a pro is a pro is a pro. Yeah, and you know, it's an inarguable point. It's built into you. You know, it's hard to be an actor. So once you begin to make it and you're making a living, you make sure you take care of it, baby. 
Of course. <laughs> now, let me ask you then about your other pursuits, because uh, you put all of this energy into acting. Uh, is painting uh, and sculpting, is that a release for you when you when you need to vent some of the that, some of that pressure off? Yes and no. I'm absolutely serious about sculpting and painting. So I, I, it, it's not, uh, I, I, everything I do, I seem to care about, you know what I mean? I, yeah. Do you have my website? I do. And I'll, I'll put that link in, in the, uh, in the notes as well. Yeah. It's RaymondJBarry.org and it shows my sculptures and my paintings and uh, I guess some of the writings I've done. I've published a couple of things, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, listen, the thing about it is that I've somehow wrangled a life that is fully creative and I had to break my balls to establish that kind of life. I make my money from film and television and now I'm even collecting a pension, if you can believe it. You know, I'm 82 years old. Yeah. And I'll kick your ass anytime. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> but, but dig this. Uh, I, I, when I'm not acting, I'm in my studio as I am right now. I'm in my studio. I'm painting. Uh, I worked on uh, this book I'm writing uh, uh, for about four hours before I started painting at four o'clock. Uh, this is my life. I, I, I got four kids. Uh, they worry the shit out of me half the time, but I'm still doing my work. You know what I mean? What medium do you sculpt in? They're, they're, they're gorgeous pieces. Wood. Got it. It's all wood. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good life. It's a healthy life. You know, I smoke, but I don't drink and I don't do drugs. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, and when I, I was doing, I, I was 23 years in New York doing stage work. I did a lot of plays and I worked with companies like the living theater, the open theater, the Worcester group. And I it did a Broadway, Broadway, Joe Papp's plays, whatever. I did a lot of plays, like really a lot. And, uh, I made very little money and, uh, then I had to make some bread cause I started having these kids and, uh, <laughs> I came out to Hollywood when I was 44 years old on the cusp of, uh, Michael Cimino's film. And right away I started to work, uh, you know, and I sent three kids so far through college debt free. I, I got the money by acting and I bought a place and I paid off the mortgage. I came from nothing. I was lower mi middle class. I got an athletic scholarship to Brown University, thank God, where I started acting in my junior year. And uh, I was very fortunate. I had a gift. I, was, uh, I could run, whatever. I was coordinated. And I just parlayed each talent I had to survive. And now I'm in my early 80s, and man, I, all I do is like write, paint, once in a while I act, right? It's <laughs> right. pretty cool. It is cool. It is cool. And uh, kudos to you for, for staying as active as you have been uh, well into, the, uh, into your late years. That's, that's fantastic. What are you working on currently? You mean acting-wise? 
uh, acting, sculpting, painting, writing? Because uh, you clearly have a lot of things going on. Yeah, I'm working on a painting I'm looking at right now, which is kind of cool. It's actually a do-over. I thought I finished the painting, and then a couple of years ago, and now I'm I'm working on it more, and it's much better. And I'm looking at it as we're talking. I've also written a novel which I work on uh, every day for some length of time. Today I worked on it for four hours. I'm rewriting it and editing it. And it's about a guy, who, uh, a young man who gets kicked out of uh, a college for uh, getting into a fight over a stupid pair of sneakers. And uh, he comes back home after being suspended from Amherst College and uh, his father hooks him up with a job in New York City, but he's got to live in the city to do the, the gig. And he arranges for a shared apartment, and he shows up at the apartment after paying the rent for a month, which is 900 bucks, and only to find that his roommate is a transvestite. And he's horrified. Well, as it turns out, the transvestite is kind and generous and nice. And as time goes by, she becomes his best friend in New York City. And he begins to realize this is a human being who has feelings and intelligence. And they become friends. And then one night she is brutally beaten by a bunch of redneck guys. And... She ends up in the hospital, and when she comes home, the boy has to nurse her back to health. And during that period, they become codependent. She, because he need, he has to help her, and him, because it's her apartment. And uh, it, a very profound understanding takes place about the brutality of homophobia combined with the, its parallel to racism, hatred on the basis of what, how people are born as opposed, you know, people don't, uh, people are born to be gay or, or have, uh, that's what the theme is about. The theme is about hate. And I love the novel. I, it poured out of me like uh, I, like a glass of water. I, I wrote it longhand. It's 230 pages long, and I'm very proud of it, and I think I can get it published. It's a timely uh, subject, given what's going on in the world today. Tell me about it. I know. I know. And, you know, oddly enough, I, 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 I think subliminally, the thing of Black Lives Matter, which is in the so much in the air at this point, uh, uh, had to affect me. Uh, the, the novel I'm very proud of. It's well written, I believe. I taught English for two years, so I know I, I know the mechanics of writing anyway. 
And I still get inspired, which is such a joy. Uh, something like racism and, and homophobia, I, I, I can talk forever about these subjects. I, I worked in prisons. I, I, uh, I had a company of ex-cons when I was in my 30s. I had a truck that opened up into a stage. I could pay these guys 125 a week when they come out of prison. And my mother was gay. So I know the subject. Any voice that speaks to that plight and can shed some, some positive light on it, uh, that's going to be sorely needed given what we're going through. Thank you. Yeah, the, um, the film Made in Chinatown was actually just released uh, on the streaming platforms. Uh, so they've been doing a lot of press uh, just to, uh, to talk about the film. Yeah. Well, you be sure to tell him that I love being in his film. <laughs> But I, what the fuck? I mean, I was, I did, I, I enjoyed myself, you know. I mean, it, it was, I, it was great, you know. Well, what better way to make a living than uh, acting in movies, you know? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it beats working, I'll tell you that. And uh, even beyond the movies, you've got such a well-rounded approach to life in general you've got uh uh the athletics the uh artistry writing producing and uh stage and screen as well so let me ask you this uh what is more fun for you uh stage acting or screen acting that is a very uh, complicated question because i'll tell you something after you make a movie if you do a good job the fun is in the audience reaction, people coming up to you and say, I worship you. But with stage, there's nothing like being on stage where the experience takes you. You're not doing it. There is a nirvana that you can arrive at in, on stage because you're out there for two hours, an hour and a half, you got to know the words, but sometimes once in a blue moon, you fly and it becomes an otherworldly experience. And you don't get that with film because the scenes are too short. You're, you act and it takes five minutes, maybe three minutes, maybe six minutes, and it, they do, do it over again. It's a whole different thing. You don't gain momentum, you see. Uh, once in a while, a magic can happen, like that one scene I told you about in Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, once in a while, you know, real magic. A, a kind of outer body type of experience is what I'm talking about. You can arrive at that place at live on live stage. It's like playing a basketball game and everything you throw up goes into the basket in the zone. Yeah. You're in the zone. Like everything. I remember I played a high school game one time and I scored 38 points against Long Beach. Everything I shot went in and it was like, I could do no wrong. That's what a performance is like when it's, kicks into another realm. But it can't happen with film in the same way because you're not uh, doing it for a long enough time. 
You know, it's more like start, stop, start, stop, discussion in between, start, stop. You know, it's too uh, brief and interrupted. Not that you can't do brilliant work. I mean, let's look, face it. There are people like Marlon Brando, the most brilliant actor I've ever seen. Montgomery Clift, you know. I mean, there, there are actors who uh, can do absolutely brilliant work in front of a camera. I can't. Once in a while, I, I have done something really good, you know. Once in a while. But I'm handsome, so I make up for it. <laughs> Thank you so much again. It has been uh, my pleasure completely, and I really appreciate it. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, sir. I hope to see much more of your work uh, very soon, and uh, I'll be looking for that book. Oh, yes. Never a Viable Alternative. It's my memoir. And t- tell Mark you like me. I will absolutely tell him that. <laughs> Stay safe. Thank you so much. Okay, baby. Have a good day. Ciao. You know, I've done a lot of movies. I did Born on the Fourth of July. I did Dead Man Walking. I did Walk Hard, do a cock story. I did all kinds of movies. Year of the Dragon, Michael Cimino. Famous people, right? I just did a movie called Made in Chinatown. It's up on the same level. You guys should watch it. It's all about action and power and kung fu. And, and I love power. Come on and join me. Watch my movie, Made in Chinatown. My sincere thanks to the great Raymond J. Barry for spending some time with me talking about his career and his other passion projects. Be sure to catch him in Made in Chinatown, now streaming on digital everywhere. And of course, go to RaymondJBarry.org to check out more of his work from sculpture to paintings to novels. 82 years old and still rocking the entertainment world, so I wish him nothing but the very best of luck. In the meantime, give me a follow on all my socials as well, and if you're so inclined, maybe get me a coffee or two or even post a review on Apple Podcasts. It all helps. Trust me. You guys keep this show riding high, so let's keep the kung fu kicking. And until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the land. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is old and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to raise jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here. The blast on the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but more.
course, don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, Divi D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. Bitch had a little dream because he's just a drunken master. Once upon a time, a shiner. Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see, Maggie Chung is finer. Golden Swallow has arrived. Chan Chi movies, will the hero is survive? We've got the brave archer, make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cause the vampire's back. We got Lam Jin Ying to kill them all, so stand back. You place the black magic on the soul of the sword, and our sword will travel until his body's on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in the mountain style. Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles. Blood will spill now on the mountain tops when we bring back the soul of the legendary pops. Welcome to the tea house, belly for some action. Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's war. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. We walk into the tea house, belly for some action. Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slash and blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen, she got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed The fist of legend that's the card Jet Li I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine